entrepreneurs have got to do a good job of not getting in the comparison game, not get in the game of the should, shouldn't game. They can't spend time there. That won't, won't go well. Mm-hmm. I should have hired more employees. I shouldn't have hired employees. I hired the wrong employee. Mm-hmm. I should, I, my intuition told me better. I shouldn't have hired this person. That's, those are not powerful sentences. Mm-hmm. What's powerful sentences is that I feel disappointment about not having awareness Got it. of the person I hired. It wasn't a strong hire for me. I feel disappointment of not letting them go earlier. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of Moved Entrepreneur Evolved. Today's episode is brought to you by Moved30, M-O-V-D, 30.com, Entrepreneur's Transformational Program for you as an entrepreneur. But today we have an amazing guest, my friend, Bill Sterling, communication expert, specialist out of LA. What's up, brother? How you doing? It is a delight to be here. We are going to have a blast. I can, I can tell already. <laughs> Super cool. Well, I'm going to dive right into this because I think sure. that bringing up quotes, things that we've talked about in the past, um, they allow it to kind of drop right in. So there was a comment that you made and it said, attach yourself to outcome causes suffering. Oh my gosh. That is, a, that is a great quote, by golly. Now, the thing about suffering and the thing about uh, life is, is that uh, pain's a guarantee. We're all going we're to stub our toe. We're going to feel pain. Uh, someone's going to leave. We're going to feel maybe lonely because we don't have connection. The suffering comes with the story we attach to it. And our, as a languaging expert and specialist, I really try to help people to reduce the suffering part and try to mourn the pain part of it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, too bad you didn't, you stubbed your toe or gosh, you're feeling hurt and you'd really like some comfort on your toe. Can we put some ice on it? You know, and that's a way to really address the pain part and make sure that the pain part doesn't turn into the suffering part which is I should have taken that college scholarship or I should have went to this other place. I wish I would have asked her out on a date. I wish I would have asked him out on it. You see what I mean? That's yeah. the suffering part of it is I'm going to tell the story of suffering instead of tell the story of the pain. I feel Ooh. lonely because I would have liked to connect with her and that would have make it go. That would make it go better. So you're, that's interesting. I'd like to dive into a little bit more because I think that, you know, this podcast talks to a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs, but I think that the entrepreneurial journey and you're very familiar is a very personal journey. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so as we kind of so. go through that process of that, when people are going through suffering in business, what are some things do you think that they find themselves telling those stories? Because a lot of times it's loss of mother, loss of father, loss of girlfriend, wife, whatever those things are. Those are pretty common pains for people. Right. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs also deal with some of that suffering as well. How have you noticed entrepreneurs deal with that? Well, um, the thing for entrepreneurs uh, is that it's a very creative process. Um, entrepreneurs have a very specific mindset. Everybody can't be an entrepreneur, no matter what people say, everybody can't do it. Um, uh, in order to be an entrepreneur, you've got to think creatively. You've got to think conceptually. You've got to be an, somebody that can synthesize, 
can integrate ideas into new concepts because entrepreneurs are making something out of nothing. So the pain is in that development or in that struggle. The suffering is the story that the entrepreneurial tells about it. Many entrepreneurs tell about this is where I, you know, failed. I'll never do that again. Instead of going like, here are the seven lessons I learned from going through that experience. They're telling the story of loss instead of the story of gain. So if an entrepreneur doesn't want to suffer, they can tell the loss story in a certain way, but don't tell it as, as if it's consistent and stable. That's when the that's when the suffering takes place. Mm. Oh, you wouldn't believe to me what happened five years ago when I did a drip campaign or I did this thing, I did uh, social media and I spent all this money. Yeah, it was 15 years ago. You never took mm. another shot at it. You know, since then, you never went to another expert and figured out how not to lose money there. You just let that be the story that you told. So entrepreneurs and many human beings um, suffer when they create a belief, a bias, or many times a fallacy about their experience mm. instead of empathizing with their experience and getting through it. Now, I said an entire mouth were full of sentences there. Could I could do a dissertation over that last two or three sentences sure. I said on that. But sure. it's the suffering is, is that I'm holding on to the loss instead of mourning the loss. And is that happen in a younger age? I'm, I'm assuming if we use the old, everything happens before seven. But what is the, what, why is it that we do that? Like, what is the pattern? Where, where do we find that maybe at a younger age that we start to create that story? Because I don't remember being, or maybe I do, I don't know, um, being young and having to like feel those certain ways. They just were maybe more antic that maybe, you know. You no, actually it has to do with language. Um, so oh. language uh, language stacks. And, and what happens is we're, we're, we try to create meaning around a story. Um, in order to uh, communicate or address the pain that we experience there. So for example, you know, some people have the definitive moment of somebody saying something to them and they take that sentence that's being said and they make that a belief that is a through line throughout their entire life. Entrepreneurs can't do that. If they do that, they don't, they don't, aren't able to grow and change and do what they do best, which is start things new, grow it to a certain level, sell it and hand it to somebody else and start the next thing. That's what an entrepreneur is supposed to do, because otherwise you turn into a business owner, mm -hmm. which is a different mindset. You turn into a CEO, which is a different mindset. Entrepreneurs are really not great CEOs all the time. They're not because they're starters. They're not mm. managers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where it gets formula formulated is the level or the amount of shoulds or shouldn'ts inside the person's consciousness. That's when it, that's when it gets tough is we, we create 
resistance, entrepreneur will create resistance for themselves. Is that a compass that we have that's natural? No, it's not natural. Oh, this is really bad news for everybody. It's not natural. It's something that that we are uh, boiled in. It's the language that we're boiled in of um, um, uh, an overcompensation for protection or safety in regards to mistakes. Instead of moving through and growing through something, we have a mistake or something and take a half step back instead of taking a step through. Um, it's the remedy, uh, remedy. It's the uh, prescription to make our life miserable. Mm. Is we're not learning, growing, changing, adapting a discipline of breakthrough. Instead of we're adopting a uh, a strategy of putting one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas and pressing both of them at the same time got to train our mind not to do that <laughs> we got to train oh, our mind yeah. keep your foot on the gas and then learn how to use the brake when you need to use the brake not gotcha. all the time. so our beliefs and our biases our fallacies is literally like riding a brake through life grinding the brake to try to be safe and it creates a tension or a misery that shows up it's not, it's not a good feeling. Now I have a book on my bookshelf right back here. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a little gift here. I'm going to pull this book off the thing shelf and you and I are going to laugh. Okay. Here's the book. <laughs> How to make your life miserable. That's the name of the book. Got now, it. This book is sentences. You can say to yourself to make your life miserable. And here's an example of this book and try not to laugh too hard. <laughs> It's, it's, it's written tongue in cheek, by the way, but by the way, it's true because if you use the sentences in here as literal, you will make your life miserable. If you keep some distance from them and laugh at them, you have a way to avoid the language that's so toxic in this book. All right, let me read one of them so you can laugh a little bit. Yeah, it's, and it's, and it's written to be funny, but it's sort of not. Okay. So here's the one. It, the exercise is 17 masochistic activities for the beginner. Now, just think about how funny that is. Why would I want to do things terrible to myself? Yeah. Now, here's the first sentence. Make a list of all the people you know who are younger than you and more successful. This is not a good strategy if you make a list. For the people no, it's not going to no. feel good. That's <laughs> no, not going to feel yeah. good. Right. Now, because I see the guitar hanging in your background and we did talk a little bit about the guitar. I grew up in high school playing guitar and one of my best friends also him and I used to play guitar together. We used to go to parties and play guitar, play guitar. And he wound up being a professional guitarist. Now, if I put him on my list and say, my friend, Chris, who I played guitar with in high school plays for Kenny Loggins for Chicago, for Peter mm. Sedera, for uh, he just did a gig with um, <laughs> uh, with Todd Rundgren. He was the guitarist. If I think about him yeah. being a successful guitarist, 
yes, and myself so. and yeah. think about the difference. Yeah. I will make my life, make myself miserable if I think yeah. about that. Entrepreneurs have got to do a good job of not getting in the comparison game, not get in the game of the should, shouldn't game. They can't spend time there. That won't, won't go well. Mm -hmm. I should have hired more employees. I shouldn't have hired employees. I hired the wrong employee. Mm -hmm. I should, I, my intuition told me better. I shouldn't have hired this person. That's, those are not powerful sentences. Mm -hmm. What's powerful sentences is that I feel disappointment about not having awareness. Got it. Of the person I hired. It wasn't a strong hire for me. I feel disappointment of not letting them go earlier. My intuition told me. I needed to let them go three months ago. Yeah. I tried to make it work out. And as an entrepreneur, I needed to make a change because the person did not have the skill and ability that I needed for my job, for my, for, to help me grow my company. Yeah. I didn't have that thing. So, so as a language specialist, I'm always helping entrepreneurs and business owners. And on this podcast, we're translating that is, mm -hmm. We've got to language things that are going to help us release us and free us from our limiting beliefs and our biases and our fallacies that we have in the work environment. We also got to be honest or do a term I call scary honesty about illusionary stories that we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, this in entrepreneurial language, there are entrepreneurs in your group that you work with. That you they go they keep telling the same story it's like dude you've got to rewrite your story or yeah listen you've got to write the story so it's telling the honest truth about your product or service it's it, it's it's an honest truth about your revenue and where it's going to grow to you gotta i heard this um it was interesting i don't know why maybe it was because i was supposed to talk to you but um in, in and on this podcast it was interesting they were talking about in the military they don't say don't eat food on the couch or don't eat food on the bed, whatever it is. They always say eat food in the kitchen. So instead right. of, instead of always telling people the wrong thing, you reinforce continually where the right thing is. Right. And I, and I now that that comes up, I was just talking, um, our, uh, a housekeeper came in and we have this great, you have, I have a little boxer dog, you know, and she was like, um, you know, such a good dog and, you know, his body training and things like that. And I said, you know, the one way that I found worked the best was not to go smack the dog or put its nose in the pee and say no, but catch him at the moment and run them outside and put them where they're supposed to go and not say bad dog, but say good dog. And then that turned, you know, this little boxer puppy to then knowing where to go. And I think in a way that's the same conversation. It is the same conversation. It's it's such a it's such an important thing that that military discipline of telling the person what you'd like them to do, what you would like them not to do, and especially with kids, kids you don't re replace the word no with the word choice, and the and your your parenting changes completely. You don't does that do that with um? I'm sure it does because all of us are just kids running around here trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, you do you find that in management as well? Do you use that, that right. same communication and downline and, and, and those that's things? Correct. Do you find that's downline. the same? Yeah. And the, probably the most effective, five effective words 
that, that uh, I'm going to translate to you, you can translate to others, is these five fo following words. Would you be willing to? Would you be willing to take out the trash? Would you be willing to bring my accounting up to date at this time? Would you be willing to complete the forms by the 15th? So you're asking them, would they be willing to? That navigates around a lot of um, resistance. Because mm -hmm. if you say, can you? Can you finish it by the 15th? That's not as strong as would you be willing to? Because it's I'm going to reinforce that. That's really good because I, um, I think it, honestly, all these things are coming up, but I was, I tried to do my research and study, do my best so that sure, when you show up. Sure. But one of the things that it exactly like that, it was funny. I was kind of just paying attention to communication stuff. And right. someone was talking about when they're managing and they have two people that aren't getting along, what they'll do is they'll sit down with them one on one, figure out the story. And then go the other one, figure out the story. And then after that, what they do is then they bring them together and say, what are you willing to do? And then once you make that commitment that you both come together with going, okay, there's a thing we're willing to not, can you do, um, are we going to do it? We really need you to do it. If You're you also saying it, that we'll do it as well. Correct. Yes. Correct. Correct. Uh, so that particular piece I've done a lot of, that's the mediation part of my communication. So I'll, I'll talk with executives, I'll bring them uh, one at a time, and then I'll bring them in to talk with each other. And then during this interchange between them, I'll always find out where the pain is that mm. led to the moment of suffering that we're currently experiencing. So I've put companies back together, employees, uh, excuse me, uh, co-owners that were going to break up the company and millions of dollars in legal fees. Yeah, I put them together and I put them back together in 30 days. Mm -hmm. and, and we avoided the entire thing. The entire upset was, it's crazy, but that's what wound up happening. Okay. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit on how you got here when we've got all this education from you. And I, I love, I love all of it. Sure. And I like also, you know, the podcast is the evolution of the entrepreneur and how you got here. And I think that's a great story as well. Cause I think that people, I think people really want to hear that the evolution happened for you as well. Right. Right. So I know that we had talked about you play some sports and then you made it I out did. to LA. I, so maybe we can I, kind of cover some of that. Absolutely. I, I would, I am in the category of uh, a average student in regards to school to be successful. I'm an average. So I went the athlete, athlete uh, route. So my athletic route was played high school football, went and played college football and eventually got on scholarship. And as soon as I got done college football, I even tried out for the dolphins, didn't make them. And then all of a sudden, like, now what? Well, I got my degree so I could teach uh, sciences, anatomy and physiology in high school mm. and other sciences there and coach football. So that's where I started. What started my entrepreneurial journey was this sentence. Why do people think the way they do? So as soon as I started asking, you ask good questions as an entrepreneur, good answers start showing up or as a human being, but you ask good questions, start good answers to start showing up. Why do people think the way they do? Now, there's a lot of different personality styles tests that are out there, but I landed on a Fortune 50 product that I use 
to do individual analysis and team analysis about why people think the way they do. It's a great first step in communication mm -hmm. because an engineer speaks different than a social worker does. A artist speaks different than a drill sergeant does. They just do. They have a different vocabulary. They have different words that they like better than other yeah. words. Yeah. They have different definitions for mannerisms. Yeah. Mannerisms, mm -hmm. the whole thing, uh, the way they wear things, very different. So if we know a little bit that people think differently, it's a good idea to learn about how they communicate different too. Mm. So I learned about how these different people think differently. And there's a 120 question survey that I use that's really valuable that assesses a person's thing. And then it rolls into a team analysis and I can literally solve a third of a company's conflict in about two hours. Yeah. I eliminate a third and their efficiency will go up. 30%, Got 40%, it. 50%, 66% efficiency start going up when you get people playing on the right frequency in communication. Now that wasn't enough though. That wasn't enough because I started noticing that it's great to know how people think and communicate, but there was also these things called upsets, like people grinding on things that a thinking pattern didn't solve. So when I started asking a second question, why do people behave the way they do? Mm. And how do emotions work? Those two questions. And that led me to train with an international mediator that would fly to war-torn countries mm. with a languaging tool to get people to stop shooting each other. Got it. Now, I just leaned my butt up to the edge of the chair and said, teach me Yoda, because whatever conflicts he was dealing with was way harder than the conflicts I was dealing with. And if he could get people to stop shooting each other, I most certainly can help people with their businesses and their marriages and their parenting, <laughs> their upsets. Because... Am I going to call this, was that Ho'oponopono? No, okay. it was not. But that's a, that's a, that's a Story. great tool that still works because that's getting yourself out of the way. But the story of the war of they had, they wanted to stop people. And it's really funny because it kind of goes, and I, I'd like to hear what the difference is, but I was going to ask you a minute ago, I was like, was that Ho'oponopono? Because I just got turned on to that. And oh, that was pretty cool. It's a very good tool because that allows, that tool allows you to say, what judgments and criticisms and labels and things that I'm saying about this situation that is keeping this situation in place? How am I the obstacle mm -hmm. of that? All right. So good news. I'll put, I'll put it. I literally have this on my board. I literally just went through this because I was going to practice the exercise because I, I said, this is exercise. pretty cool. I'll just butcher it probably. So you can no, just but, stay with it. That's that's the way you want to think about it. Okay. So well, I'm going to say the four, I think it's four things. It says, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive right. me and thank you. Yes. Very, very helpful to get us to pull back into our own body, get us to keep our emotional moments grounded, pull it back in our body, and get us connected to ourselves. 
Now, notice I said get us connected ourselves on the video here. I'm pointing to my my gut where yeah. my feelings are and my heart where my needs are. So I need to connect those two things together. So do that one again. So it's feelings. Feelings my- are at my gut. Needs are at my heart. So 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 here, just do it with yourself right now. Watch this. Yeah. Tap your belly and say, I feel tired. And then tap your heart and say, I need rest. Say, I feel tired. My heart's not tired. Yeah. Okay. Say it again. I, I feel tired. I feel tired. I need rest. I need rest. Now take a breath. Okay. Now watch this. Say, I feel frustrated. I feel frustrated. I need progress. I need progress. Take a breath. Say, I feel delighted. I feel delighted. I'm getting learning. I'm getting learning. Take a breath. So what we're doing is we're tuning your, the vocabulary that, you're, that your head is saying with the physiology inside your body. There are 297 neuropeptides in the body. These molecules of emotion have words that go with them. Mm. So when I say, I feel angry, I need respect. Anger is just pointing in the direction to what I need to talk to the person about. Now, would you say that that's because, because we can't, dis- we have to, as humans, try to describe something. And then once we describe it, it is definitely something negative, And then we follow that. Is that what I'm catching? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I tell you what, that is a really good sum- a summary that you just did is that our brain through the description part of it will describe it as worse. And mm-hmm. our limbic brain takes over and makes that real. That's where the suffering is. But what happens if we can get the front part of our brain in and in, in work and, and talk about it in a way that serves us? So mm-hmm. if you think about, and I help people with uh, trauma, post-traumatic stress, all that kind of stuff. And I worked in drug and alcohol and rehab for- okay four years. And, um, and I even have a new book coming out uh, this next, in the next couple of months called emotional sobriety for business owners and for, um, uh, for anybody that wants to read it, but it's how do we become more sober in our language? Because with violence and with uh, the violent language we've been taught, there's nothing more violent than the word should or have to or want, those are really dangerous words to say. Well, I've been punched one time right after they said F you. And that was, <laughs> and, and that anger is one that if somebody says F you to me, here's the next word that's coming out of my mouth. I'm guessing you're really angry and you really want me to hear you more. Yeah. The person says, yes. And the anger drops to aggravated. Ooh, because you're frustrated that I can't do the thing that I wanted to. So you feel frustrated because I'm not supporting you the way you would like. Now it dropped again. Now, what you don't see in my bio is that I was somebody that was flown into Flint, Michigan during the water crisis. And I trained people how to speak compassionately to angry people whose water was poisoned. What do you say? I remember that somebody time. is yelling at you 
and saying stuff that's really hard to hear, well, you better come back with compassion because if you come with problem solving, they're just going to escalate. Gotcha. You, you and I have had the experience. Mm-hmm. You're talking with somebody and you're struggling with something. Mm-hmm. You say the following sentence, try not to laugh too much. You know what you should do is I want to slap yeah. them in the face right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I tried you. that and four other <laughs> ideas about ready that you're going to bring to me. I'm just telling yeah. you about the pain I'm in right now. Yeah. I don't need you to add your suffering or your solution on top of my pain or suffering. So I help people separate those, which helps a, a, a leader or an entrepreneur to communicate better, a uh, people to bounce back from mistakes quicker to save money and time mm-hmm. because they're not using words that are going to make it worse. And it's going to cost you time. You and I have been in multiple boring meetings mm-hmm. or meetings that are escalating. You're going like, Oh my God, I just went out of this meeting because the person is either being too safe. They're grinding their foot on the brake, you know, or they're putting their foot on the gas and they're making a mess because they're going in the wrong direction, you know, and they're ranting about something instead of saying, wait a minute, I, I think I can hear you on this. Are you hearing that you'd like to do it this way instead of the way I recommended? Yeah. Well, would you be willing to consider that we can do them both? Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I have to rant for another 15 minutes. No, you're just going to j- gobble up all our time. Yeah. So important and so valuable. Lang, it's interesting that you say that. And um, language I learned kind of traveling and you can be in one country. And for example, in Thailand, you could call someone a cow, like a buffalo or something like that in Thai. It's quite non. And basically they want to fight you. I mean, you might as well just screw you. That's like the worst thing, you know? But then you go and and that's like uh, in, in Thailand. But then I've lived in India and it's like, They'll let that cow stand there. (laughs) Literally the traffic will be there and they will not move and there's no big deal. And I think I was going to kind of ask you, do you think we come from different tribes? And then those eventually were the reasons why we use these language. Do you think that these are individual tribes that we came from? I guess I'm trying to get that out. Oh, I tell you what, you are, you are, you are asking, I just can't believe how wonderful the example that you gave is because it it gets me to really uh, talk to the fundamentals of language. And I'm going to say this, and this is, this is, uh, you know, a one, we could talk for two hours over this, at least minimal two to four hours over this one thing. So the way con the way language has been developed is, is to be very contextual very contextual, but underneath every contextual sentence, there's a subtext sentence that is sitting underneath this. And in this subtext sentence, there is an empathetic sentence that's written right below it. So what I train people to do is listen to the context, speak to the subtext. So if I'm doing a communication that sounds like this, one person is telling me a story. I like her. If I'm now saying, tell me more, mm. we're going to just be talking in context. Mm. But if I say this next sentence, watch how powerful or deeper the conversation is going to get. 
so you really feel delighted and you'd really like the data. Is that right? Yes. Now I'm connecting to the delight that he has. Yeah. Okay. Now the same thing with a, 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 a sentence I got in Flint, Michigan. Here's the sentence. You are a racist. Watch the next sentence. Because if this person says, no, I'm not, this person's going to go off because <laughs> that's not a good response. Mm -hmm. So here's the next sentence. Sir, could you be feeling aggravated and you really need some support from me? Um, um, yes. But <laughs> this whole situation is so racist. Sir, could you be feeling angry because you need respect and you need mutual respect by the city? Yes. Notice that it's starting to reduce. So, sorry, could you be feeling helpless about fairness? Yes. See, now all of a sudden I'm talking about respect, fairness, support, justice. Those are the, that's at the subtext level. Racism is a context word. Subtext is where the connection is. Is in all languages I can go, and that's why that international mediator. I go, wait a minute, you flow, you flew to Central Africa to mediate between two African tribes, and you didn't even know the language, and you had to go through a interpreter, and you weren't mm. going to get shot. Mm -hmm. There were there were six hundred people that died. There were. There are 200 people in a, val in, a, in, a, in, a, um, in a village of 800 people. There were 200 people that got killed over the last three months. Mm. They're burying dead all the time in the two. Yeah. The two <laughs> villages are yeah. fighting with each other. And you're going to go in there with an interpreter and not get killed? How yeah. are you going to use language to do that? Teach me Yoda. That was yeah. my sentence. I just said, so you're exactly right. So you go, you go to a different country, but they all have fairness, connection, mutual respect, kindness is a need, truth, trust, cooperation. They all have that at their heart level. Mm. So even though they're speaking whatever language that they're speaking, there's still a connection. There's still a trust. There's still a respect that's there. There's still a, how can we get acceptance to take place? How do we create understanding? How do mm -hmm. we hear each other better? You know, how do we support each other? All of that is still there here. This is French, German, Italian, Got it. And whatever form of India language, whatever yeah. language, Mandarin in China, whatever, that's yeah. all here. What's at here is what does respect look like? What does fairness look like? What does creativity look like? What does, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, trust look like? What does ownership look like? All of those things are core to every human being on the planet and every animal all the way down to fish below when, fish when we, yeah there's a whole oh, oh fish is all the way down to the fish all the way down to fish fish feel nervous because their need for safety is not met fish feel nervous they have that neuropeptide for nervous because they have a need for safety why because they swim in schools mm -hmm. they talk to each other about safety 
because they swim in schools. They communicate from one end. How do they do that? You got to think about that just a little yeah. bit. It's it's a it's a it, they they're communicating. They're all like doing this and not yeah. talking to each other. There's no uh -huh. words, but they do feel scared and they do need safety. They all feel hungry and they need food. Feeling gut need what's at the heart. Dang. So this this <laughs> so I'm loving this po podcast because you can actually. Now let's work one for you, for, for your audience. Let's work one on your side. What let's is a sentence that someone said or did that kind of was a little weird or offset, or maybe a challenge someone was facing or something that someone said that's caused a little bit of conflict or upset. What's, what's something that you've experienced that maybe one of your entrepreneurs have struggled with and they keep saying the same sentence over and over again. It, well, a lot of it is the, I think the over the story is many times with entrepreneurs is basically saying that the result's going to be the same every time. Oh, great. That's a great sentence. Write this answer down. Or actually, uh, actually, you say that sentence to me, Bill, the, the, the results are going to be the same. Watch what I say back. To you. Watch it. Go ahead. You know, every single time that I go to do this, I try something different and it's the exact same result. Wow. I'm guessing you're feeling helpless and you really need some progress and you need some support. Is that correct? I'm feeling more hopeless as we talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly no, right. So I, yeah. Yeah. So I'm now seeing you feel a little hopelessness because you'd really like a different answer uh, in order to get the financial security you want. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Look at, I got a yes out of you. Notice mm -hmm. you had to dip down Mm -hmm. to see that there's a financial security. And I'm guessing that you probably might be feeling a little bit confused uh, about how to create a stable business. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. Now all of a sudden I've got stable business being talked about. Now I've got what support might look like, that there might be a new answer. The person doesn't know that I'm digging them out of the hole that they mm -hmm. put themselves in. Mm -hmm. with the sentence and the thoughts that they're thinking mm. keep trying the same thing it's like you need you need a different kind of support you need somebody that has been there and done that and knows what business acumen looks like i mean it's and and that and that one's really hard for people because they uh for entrepreneurs they need a better dashboard uh excuse me they need a better windshield um, this will be very helpful for you. And you can use this about a million times for in your career because you'll use this forever. Okay, so uh, think about, and, and entrepreneurs that are listening right now, think about it this way. You have an accountant to keep track of things. The accountant is like the rear view mirror. You cannot run your business by looking at through the in view, rear view mirror, just like you can't drive a car by looking through the rear view mirror, unless you're going backwards. So mm. accountants are great because you need the rear view mirror. You need to know where you've been. You need to know where you've been and what works, but then you've got to look away from the accountant and look through the windshield of the car. You got to drive. That's what an entrepreneur needs to do. They need to drive to where they need to go. And they have other people in the car. Who's in the car? In the passenger seat, in the riding shotgun, is your VP of sales. 
that's who's in the shotgun because you got to get sales managed, customer yeah. attainment, sales. You got to do your leads and your marketing person is the next person there. The marketing person can help you to know where to go. So that's another person in the car. The accountant is in the back seat. The accountant you need in the, the accountant. Seat. Yeah, you need the accountant to keep track of things mm -hmm. and to bring you the reports of where you've been and what's worked. That's your CFO. Your CFO is going to tell you and hopefully says, do a little bit more of this, do a little bit more of that, because the numbers are better over here than they are yeah. over there. So and now basic, look at you're up, using look at two different people's language. Yeah. Two different people's language. The accountant is just the rear view mirror. The, the CFO can whisper in your ear, turn a little more right, turn a more lower left. We're going to get a little bit more of our margins showing up. We need talented people. That's my HR person. The HR person's going to help me recruit and get other people to drive in this, in the vision of this car. So if you want to see how this looks in real, in real time, it's you're in the driver's seat. You have your VP of marketing sitting next to you and your VP of sales sitting next to you. You have three people in the front seat. That's your entrepreneur. Next, behind them, behind, right behind you, whisper in your ear is your CFO. And then the other ear is getting the talent. You got to get your VP of HR getting you talent. Accountant is over there. <laughs> yeah. They're going to keep track of what is actually happening with this group. So that's called the magic seven. I want seven people. CFO, um, uh, operations, if you need it, uh, sales, marketing. HR, okay, and IT. In this day, mm -hmm. we need IT now, VP of uh, CTO. And then the CEO is going to be either you at the start as the entrepreneur, as you're building this magical team of seven, or eventually you are the owner and you just meet with the CEO so they tell everybody else what to do. Mm-hmm. That's the optimal place for the entrepreneur to be is you're the owner and you give the CEO the directions and they give you feedback on those directions and they take it out to the team to get it done. When you, when you watch people, because I think that you'll, <clears throat> I think you'll attach to this pretty good. When you watch partners in business come together, the number one reason why people fail is partners in business is because of communication, obviously, like everyone else. That's right. But yeah. when you bring in two different partners, you definitely don't want to have the same characteristics. I was just having breakfast with a, a good friend of mine. Perfect. Um, and, and he does really well, does over $100 million a year. I mean, he crushes, you know, and in that we were really talking about when you get into these partnerships, and he was saying, you know, I don't, there is no, you know, there's no bullshit. You know, if you get angry in our meetings, we're out, we're not doing this. And so what I was kind of curious in the conversation in this is when partners come together, what are some of the things that you've noticed in communication, what one party does, and then the other party maybe doesn't do, or maybe some skill sets between the two, because you, you can't have, if you really want a good partnership, you need to have someone that's like really good at sales. And that guy's like, I have no idea how he does that. And then the other one's maybe like an operational person and then moves it forward. And the guy's like, I can't keep my own shoes together. 
That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And, and uh, it's a, it's a really wonderful thing with partnership. Partnership is like um, uh, that you've got two sides of the brain that need to come together and make a whole brain. So I'm thinking about, you know, one of my clients um, is the, um, uh, is the, the, the president, uh, him and his partner, are the, the co-owners of uh, Beachbody. So they have a multi-million dollar business, right? And when, when we look at their, their thinking styles is their thinking styles are very different, but they learned how to collaborate and cooperate between the two differences. Okay. One was a little more entrepreneurial and interpersonal. The other one is a little bit more logical and operational. So one's got this other thing going, the other one do. And even in their team meeting together, when I got all the teams, the, the team, their executive teams, those two were in the center and the other team was all around them. And the, and in communication, the way it makes it work is stay in your strength, delegate your weaknesses or frustrations. And then the third part of it, it's got to be there. Trust that the other person is going to do their part. Trust mm -hmm. that the other person is going to handle what their lane is and you're handling your lane. And then when you're mad and you're irritated or frustrated or confused about something, use two words you've got to check in. And then the other two words is bring scary honesty. How can I bring honesty to the upset or what I saw them say or do to get it to go differently? Mm. How can I do that better? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you're growing and changing through the various different challenges. And then you're just on the ride together. Yeah, you're able to you're able to participate and enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey together. You know, yeah, I and think that, goes that nails it. That's so good, because yeah. I think that it's so important in your <clears throat> what you go what you teach is and through this process, people really don't know how to communicate anything. You know, we and I remember being I was actually telling the story actually earlier, but I remember being younger and I remember there was I had an old part older partners and we were running we had a business we were running and everything and I remember just being young not being able to communicate that I was so pissed off so I'm trying to attack one of them, you know as a young guy just in, but my desire was to win it wasn't that but I didn't know how to communicate that because I felt that I was being attacked and then in the same sense now you know in now I've learned you don't attack people what you do <laughs> is you <laughs> You mitigate that as much as possible, but ultimately I realize that there really is a way and something happens. Oh man, you, that's great. It just pulled it back. What happens first? I get mad and then I use language and then I used physical. Correct. That was your strategy growing up. You learned how to put that in place. Now, what you can do now in what I teach people to do is when you're angry, as soon as you say, I feel angry. You have to connect it to the need that's causing it. So it reduces it inside mm. you. Listen, I'm feeling angry because I really needed, I needed consideration. I really feel angry. I needed communication. I feel angry. I really needed respect in the way you talked about things. 
I feel angry. I needed emotional safety in that meeting because you were showing the emotion. I'd rather you do that in private with me. Notice I, the feeling is the same. Mm-hmm. The need, the cause is different. Feelings are very predictable. I know it's going to sound weird. This is the root of my emotional intelligence program. Yeah. I mean, that's, I have an online training program that people can take, or I have in-person uh, coaching sessions I do. I have business development coaching sessions that I do where I teach people how to look through their own windshield of their own car, of their own driving, and how to put the right people in place. So this is where you and I can play in the future, but that's uh, is where that those things can do. And, and um it can really make a b- big difference when we do a better job with our communication and be able to get the support we need so that you can still feel the feeling of anger. It's just, you don't, you don't turn it out as a flamethrower like you did when you're young, you just mm-hmm. shift it and turn the dial and it becomes a laser. Over the last, this is a really interesting one in this personal one, but ultimately I remember this uh, over the last I don't know, not, not that long, too long ago. Um, one of the things that and everybody says, you know, the best thing is understand your con, be conscious of what's going on and have a sense of presence. And one of the things I realized about myself is I, I'm a high energy person. And so being a, a high energy person, I realized that my energy starts to wind. And so what I recognized not too long ago is I go, wait a minute, where is it going? And what I recognized, and this has been going on, I've been, been able to tap it a couple of times lately, but basically what I realized, it was, if I try to explain it, it was like a cyclone that went like this, like this, and then it sat right here, right here in my chest area. And what I started doing is I started just, I started to just acknowledge where it was. And then once I acknowledged where it was, I went, can I divert it somewhere else? But I think one of the things that I'm even learning here today, which I think is awesome, is also maybe using language on finding, like you said, where is this coming from? What am I really trying to get? And then what am I not being fed that's making me want to do this? Because in reality, that anger and that rage was really designed for us to be able to fight off the bear. It was designed to fight off, you know, the predator. That's right. And now I'm trying to fight something that I don't have to. Correct. And so what you're getting to is how can we be emotionally intelligent throughout our day and be present in this moment? I have this wonderful four sheet exercise that I take people to, to measure how mm-hmm. present and emotionally intelligent they are. Most people on a scale of one to 10 are a two, maybe a three. That's how bad it is out there. Is that um, kind just of because something. they don't is that country wise or human wise? Human wise, wow. country, yeah, in and out. It's really bad. Now, certain countries are better. Mm-hmm. Ones that have language that don't have as many shoulds or have tos or stuff in it. But if I I can I know within one I can ask one sentence to a person to know how emotionally intelligent they are. It's like. What would you say if somebody called you stupid? What would you say? And the person, I know that they're not emotionally intelligent because they won't say, 
well, could the person be feeling irritated and they want me to have more clarity or knowledge about something? That's the emotionally intelligent sentence to say mm -hmm. back. Most people say, no, I'm not. Or why do you think I am? Or that's not true. All of those are not very emotionally intelligent. They're defensive, criticism, yeah. contempt, withdraw. So getting our language congruent and learning emotional intelligence is really a big part of my executive coaching package. I do mm -hmm. 10 hours for 37.50, and that's the way I roll. <laughs> you know, well, I got, I got one more. Um, yep. Let me see if I didn't forget it, but it was, um, I totally I hate when I do that. It's 43 for you. It's coming on. <laughs> I was trying to remember what it was. Dang it. But it was it was definitely on an emotional state. I think that um, we tend to react a lot. And I do, do you look at meditation as a part of that? Meditation's a wonderful tool where you take time to to start to observe your language and learn how to set aside, let go, or re sometimes depending on the meditation to reframe it so that you get back to being present with what's alive right now. So what do we do in meditation? Certain kinds of meditation say, is this a thought? Let it go. Is this an image? Let it go. Is it a sound? Let it go. Is it a thing? So those are different. That's one style of meditation. Other ones are, I'm going to slow my mind down so that that shatter doesn't take place. Now, when I trained 35 Buddhist monks to use their daily language as meditation is something that I did in the past. Mm, that's a cool story. It I spent some time story. with some monks. I wish, we, I wish we had more time to tell it. Looks like we're going to have to do another episode. <laughs> I, I, we could start it off with that story because it's the best story ever. It's how to, when you're alive and you're observing the world, how do you walk in a place of grace, compassion, and empathy with every step? And that's what I taught them to do. Every step that you can take, you can you train your eyes and your ears to do observation only. So hard. Because watch yeah. this. If I'm looking at this desk, my judgmental mind might say the desk is messy. Or my judgmental mind said, who spilt the, the, the milk on the table? Notice that's not observation at all. It's judgment. Yeah. But if I'm an observation, it says, when I see milk on the table, that's an observation because milk is on the table. No judgment. Yeah. yeah. But who knows how to speak like that? You have to like be aware that your language is filled with judgment and criticism. And that's the how to make your life miserable book <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the book that's where everybody's living is the book back here but in I, I, my world I think, it's tra yeah training to be different than that well i i think this one will will correlate perfectly as we uh we've we make our way through and, and and be able to share more of who you are and where to get you but the thing i was interested about was um you know go to qatar you ready sure. so when i picked up the guitar i'd shared with you a little you know, I was in my thirties when I started to play, there was a moment when I started to play guitar where I went, am I ever going to be able to listen to music again? Because there was a moment of going as now all that, is that it is, 
so it's that and you got me doing all this emotion and you're like and I remember going and watching music and all I was watching the way that he did it and I felt like oh I know it now he's doing that now and I felt for a minute like I'm gonna not be able to be a part of music again what I'm curious about is in communication do you think that when you start to study these things that there's a part of that you feel like you start to kind of manipulate too much do you see where I'm getting at like do, do you lose the flow yeah. So, so here's the insight. Cause you know, like I, 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 I can't tell you how much, I mean, I can't tell you, I feel so joyous during uh, of, about our conversation because of what you just said and why that was so meaningful was this is that as a guitarist, you learn, you start learning the mysteries of where the notes are and how this thing and, and all of a sudden, the song that you used to enjoy so much because of how wonderful the lick was and how much that then the beat did this and then the drum came in here and then the things and, and you had all the joy because there was two things. There was a mystery and there was the anticipation of the person playing the song. So those are things that really raise our dopamine mm. levels. Mm. When the curtain gets pulled back, when you are the Wizard of Oz pulling the levers and you know, oh, here's how to play, you know, uh, time in a bottle and do all the fingering with that song or do the fingering of whatever famous song you're doing. And all of a sudden, the mystery of the song kind of goes out mm -hmm. because you're now that person trying to deliver it. And now you're trying to put the emotion of your body mm. through that thing and then it translates to the listener. So the vibration of their body goes to delight and anticipation and dopamine hits because you're delivering the piece. Mm. Same thing I experienced with language. Mm -hmm. I can before when a, when a person gets three words out of their mouth, I already know if it's going to be a blame, a judgment, a criticism, a label, a diagnosis. I already know where they're going. And I already know what my response is going to be, which is empathy, compassion, consideration. That's what's coming out of my mouth. Is there a manipulation? No, I'm just going to enjoy the dance mm. this is where they are. Yeah. And this is where I am. This is where they can be. And they don't know how good it's going to be over here on my side of the fence. Got it. You know, and what would it be like? Just imagine what would it be like is that your relationships can fundamentally change because you've learned the tools that I've taught you. Yeah. And what would it be like to get in the next argument with your partner? Or if you have kids, mm -hmm. do you have any kids? I don't have kids. Okay. I just found out. I'm just found out. I'm being uncle. Uncle. Like, yeah, I got a little niece. Got a little niece so you got coming. A niece coming. So when yeah. your niece is crying, to have the three to five sentences ready to go to calm her down mm. in a magical way, and when their parents look at you and say, "How did you do that?" You'll say. I met this guy that told me the trick. <laughs> and it all like, comes back to Bill. <laughs> it all comes back to Bill. I met this guy. Comes who back the trick. to Bill. Crazy because literally, I mean, okay, next time we're together, I swear to God, next time we're together, yeah. we got to tell, I have another story about, 
it's called the it's called the my, it's my famous airport airplane boarding tantrum story that's the name of the story it's a tantrum on the runway to get on, to board on a plane that i put out the tantrum within three sentences so i didn't have a crying kid on the plane got it and it wasn't my kid and the parents were standing there so were my boys and I reduced the conflict, got the kid to stop crying before we took our seats. And my boys go, dad, thanks so much for doing that. <laughs> Just Because they, you know what it's like having a crying kid Heck on yeah. the plane? What's up the crying kid on the plane? No, I don't want any of that. And the Listen, only thing worse is the kid kicking, kicking your back. Kicking the seats. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say to the kids that kicking the seats? So it doesn't upset the kid. It doesn't yeah. upset the parents. Yeah. It creates awareness and accountability on the kid's side of the fence and how to make that go better. Anyways, so we're going to have a lot of fun. I can tell already. We'll do another one of these. It's, it's Bill, it has been an awesome experience. I really appreciate you being here. Genuinely, it's been way better. I always get on these and I'm like, they become better than I thought, you know? So go ahead and share. How can people get a hold of you? Um, so many assets and skills here. Please share. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, the, the easiest way to do it is, is to... Um, uh, gosh, the easiest way to do it is through probably through my website, which is uh, Bill um, uh, Bill and it's spelled S T I E R L E, and and the email is the same Bill at Bill and uh, you can send me send me that email obviously through your, through the links and yeah. things like that, yep. and I'll tell you what uh, what I'd like to do too is I'll have my assistant send you an email to a link to a, um, a free, um, the five safest things to say during a conflict. I'll send a, a, a four page article for you guys, which is That's great. Amazing. I also have another one, the seven things to say during when someone's angry to reduce anger. So I can, I'll send you, I'll have my assistant send you both of those. Okay. Well, anybody that's can, watching this, get ready to change, become <laughs> a different person. Oh my gosh. It, and they, and everything I, by the way, every, I, I, I just, I can't believe it. After, after I first learned this stuff 22 years ago, it always works. It always works. I, it, there isn't one conflict that I haven't said, oh yeah, well, it doesn't work here. No, it works yeah. everywhere. So yeah. be ready for that kind of change. Cause, and by the way, the stress will start going out of your body. Got it. The, uh, the focus comes back in a brand new way. Your, your passion becomes more grounded, less volatile. It's really weird. But that's the power of getting our language to be congruent with our body. Bill, this has been an incredible episode. I have genuinely enjoyed it. We will be having another one. Thank yeah, you so much for being on the Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved podcast. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. So next we have look at other episodes of the Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved podcast. One to go look back at is Jacob Olkis. He's an incredible guy, specializes in offers. Go make sure you take a look at that episode as well. With that, we close out the Moved Entrepreneurial Paul podcast. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks a million. Take care.
If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.